Stevie P again here on the Steve Perryman podcast. So every day is different. Um, and today I've been talking to a chap called Mike Donovan, a journalist from my younger days on the local paper uh, with me living in West London, who called me because he's in the process of writing a book about the great man Dave Mackay's life and what a player he was by the way and I witnessed firstly as a young schoolboy training on schoolboy nights and then apprentice the influence that this man exerted over the whole club with his character personality and not least of all his outstanding ability this applied to everywhere where you came into contact with, with Dave, be it the training ground, the gymnasium, or on the first team training pitch. I've seen him control the whole shooting match during a game. Of course, he led his team, he was captain, but also the opponents, the referee, and the crowd and dominated them all from start to finish. <coughs> As apprentices in the late 60s, we were in first, earliest, rightly so, and started about 9.30. We'd do a couple of laps, running, jogging, etc., around the track, no stretches, by the way, in those days. Then we'd disappear in the corner of the track at the old White Hart Lane Stadium to get to the indoor gymnasium where we practiced ball skills, techniques, and usually ended up with some sort of seven, eight aside until the first team group arrived. Our training stopped dead in its tracks when the gymnasium door slammed open against the wall. And Dave was always first through that door, chest out, a look of disdain on his face at our young group, as if to say, actually without saying it, you don't deserve to be in here with me. So F off somewhere else, which of course we did do to the much practiced stomach exercises or running, proper running around the track, back on the track. Such was our respect for Dave that we just put our heads down, trooped out like robots, not daring to look at Dave in case his eyes met yours. And then you'd be meek for his strong words. I'll actually say no more about that one. One tough man, but to everyone, not just us youngsters. He was the leader. You all follow me, I'm the man. You follow me. By coincidence, I was talking to Dave's nephew, Ninian, on Sunday. And Ninian was on trial with us for about six months during that period of my early days. 
he was he would yeah he phoned me because he wanted one of my books and I asked him about the rest of Dave's family most of which is up in Edinburgh but Dave's lovely wife uh, Isabel is still down in uh, Nottingham Ninian and I asked him by the way I just checked him before this podcast did we call you Ninian no no you 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 probably called me Jock you called me everything bar Ninian I can imagine Dave saying to him change that name, they, they, won't, they won't like Ninian. Anyway, Ninian reminded me about the time that he backed up Graham Souness, who was a year younger than me, who said that it swept the gym out properly. And as Johnny Wallace, our trainer, disagreed with these two Scottish youngsters, were told to go to Bill Nicholson's office to ask for his opinion. First of all, Bill asked Ninian, why are you here? I'm here to tell you that Johnny was wrong in his opinion, that Graham's work was good enough. Ninian, I'm going to remind you, Ninian was a trialist, by the way. He was quite rightly told by Bill that this is none of your business, so get out of this office, which he did. Bill then told the young Sooness, if a job is worth doing, it's worth doing properly. Now get to that gymnasium and do it properly. Typical Bill, backing his staff all the way so that these two young jocks had to revisit the gym and do a better job. So Howard, first with his memories of past Liverpool encounters and then Tom to ask me questions about my recollections of Anfield during my career. So Howard, how are you and uh, what you got for us? I'm good, thank you. Um, excited about what the current team are doing, and you can't believe that Wednesday night's match is going to be between the top two, but there it is. Yeah, top and, of the uh, table. So it's fun. I'm going to look back to March 1985, when we finally won at Anfield, for the first time since 1912. This quirky result always gave the media a chance to say every season that Spurs hadn't won there since the Titanic sank. This particular day, there was something in the air which attracted lots of people to come to the match. We were well ahead of Liverpool in the league. A number of friends came to watch the game and, of course, Ray was playing against his old team. As always, he was given a fantastic reception by the cop. His parents came to the game and just sat just behind us. They glowed with pride. Our dearest friends, Terry Fliss, who lived in the middle of Midwells, came too. Terry's my old Spurs supporting friend since we were at seven. A good game won by one goal scored by Garth Crooks. Well done, Garth. Ray, as a local lad, had organised a wonderful evening for us, going out for drinks, then dinner at a great restaurant, and then on to a club. At the end of the game, we went to a bar and hotel. I was standing chatting with Ray and a couple of other Liverpool players, as well as Terry, when a young man approached us, asking for autographs. That day, Mickey Hazard had played. played. Now, Mickey was medium height with fair curly hair, as was Terry. As the guys were signing their autographs, the Liverpool supporter turned to Terry and said, I know who you are, you're Mickey Hazard. Can I have your autograph and photo, please? Before I knew it, Terry was signing photographs everywhere and having his picture taken with everybody. <laughs> his moment of uh, fame. Exactly. Towards the end of the evening, he went to the loo and came out very disappointed that no one had recognised him. A great weekend for sure. 
Sadly, we fell away in the league, finishing third that year behind Liverpool and champions Everton. Now, I'd like to take you back a little further to a clash at Liverpool in March 73. This was a very busy month. Viv and I announced our engagement. And as I previously mentioned, I was a director at Superdrug, and at that time, we opened a new office and distribution centre. The centre wasn't ready, so I was literally working seven days a week to keep the business afloat. One Saturday during this period, I was working in the office, but took time out to listen to the Spurs match at Liverpool. Like I wouldn't do that anyway. <laughs> the match was being played in the morning because the Grand National was in Liverpool that afternoon. We played quite well, especially with the constant refrain about us not winning there since the Titanic sank. In the second half, as Liverpool put on the pressure, we conceded not one, but two penalties. What's more, Pat Jennings saved them both. These saves were the icing on the cake that confirmed Pat as the Football Writers Player of the Year, an award never more deserved than by Pat. Steve, you played in both of those games. Want to talk about them? Yes, please. Um, well, the, the two penalty saves, um, Pat was capable of, of saving anything, be it a penalty or much further out, he was capable. So I think... Uh, a couple of different versions of the story, but it was either Tommy Smith or Bill Shankly talking to the press after, I suppose, in the car park, which is where it, you usually held these press talks at the end of games. And uh, they asked them about Pat Jennings. You know, what do you think of his two saves? Were they a bad miss or was it a good save? And either of the two said, well, I don't know about how good it was. Whoever Pat Jennings backs this afternoon in the Grand National, we're going to follow him because this is the best day of Pat's life. He's never going to save two penalties again, especially at Anfield. So that made it a very special day. And the other one, even more special, was the, the victory when you said about Garth scoring the, the winning goal, the only goal. Nicky Hazard hit a, a very good shot from the edge of the box. Uh, Brucey saved it, came down and Garth put it in. And I think Liverpool in the end were a bit sort of uh, surprised about our celebrations at the end of the game because we'd had this stuff down our throat for however many years. And of course, this was all now released into a relief, cloud of relief. And um, I'm sure our crowd enjoyed it as much as we did because that that took a lot of waiting for of course many of those years the two teams were not in the same division so it wasn't quite a bad as stat as as it sounded but when we got back in the dressing room um paul miller usually has got a line about everything he said guess what i wouldn't like to be on the fucking queen mary tonight in in comment to the uh to the ship sinking. So thank you very much, Howard. Good to talk to you. And uh, Tom, are you ready there with some questions? Yep, Steve, I'm indeed. Um, yeah. Got a few for you lined up, so uh, hope you don't mind. Um, what's your uh, what's your links with Liverpool over the years, with Liverpool Football Club? Yeah, very strong links. I. Um, I've played against them many times, of course, in league football. 
I think I've played against them in every competition that you possibly could play against them, uh, be it the League Cup, be it the FA Cup, the UEFA Cup. I even played against Liverpool in some um, exhibition games in Swaziland. Um, but also, you know, when I left Spurs and was manager of, of Brentford and Watford and, and uh, attached to Exeter and MK Dons in the end, um, we always seemed to get um, cup competitions uh, against Liverpool. And, and what, what I've found about Liverpool is, and, and probably without, without having any facts or data on all this, I probably played against, and I'm going to go for three clubs, Liverpool, Man United and Arsenal. I think they're the ones that I competed against the most. But I think, I think Liverpool shaded it because the number of cup draws against the smaller teams that I was eventually involved with. So what I've always found about Liverpool is I've always respected the way they conducted themselves as a club. And one little story about uh, quarterfinal of the cup, I'm manager of Brentford. Um, had some good victories to get there. Manchester City, we beat Blackburn. We were a good team in the, in the Division 2 then. To eventually get this plum draw away at Anfield. And I went scouting as if I needed to scout them. You knew their, you knew their team like the back of your hand. But they played Luton at home on the Tuesday night. And I thought it's only right to do my job, to, to drive all the way up there and watch it. And for whatever reason, I was on my own. I drove up, went through the gates in my car, and I've been put in the number one parking position, right by the doors where you're going to walk into the, the stand. And it was raining, so bloody good positioning. That's, that's very respectful. Every door that was open to me, and there must have been about seven or eight, the person on the door said, good evening, Mr. Perriman, thanks for coming, lovely to see you. And I'm now truly impressed. The last man on the door said, Steve, um, the staff of Liverpool would like you to go and see them in the, in the boot room if you have time before this game. I'm thinking, if i got time, what about you? Have you got time? This is a league match against Luton Town. Anyway, so I went and had five minutes with them. Again, very respectful. Eventually go up to the director's box to find my seat and I'm greeted by the chairman. I think his name was John Smith, lovely man, very classy, old fashioned style chairman of a football club in that era. And I'm sat about seven or eight seats along from him and I watched the game and Liverpool thrashed Luton. They probably beaten them 5-1 and I've got a long way to drive back to London. So I get up about a quarter of an hour to go. I'm not embarrassed to leave early because I've got to drive now three hours home. As I got up, all seven or eight of these people all got up, all shook my hand on the way out. And eventually, John Smith, the chairman, is waiting for me. He's turned his side onto the pitch, so he's now not watching the, the game. He's waiting for me to get to the end of the row, shakes my hand, Steve, have a great journey home. Thanks for coming. And we look forward to seeing you on Saturday in the cup tie. And I drove home just wondering how much 
preparation that took to greet someone the way they greeted me? Were, were they treating me any more special than anyone else? No, I think they were paying respect to the manager of their next opponents. And, and some could say they're softening you up for the game, they're whatever. But I, I, I think Liverpool Football Club knew a good opponent when they saw one. And therefore, they showed me that type of respect. They, they still beat us 4-0 on the Saturday. And actually, we could have been two goals up. But, uh, but we weren't. And um, 44,000 people there. More importantly, for, for um, Brentford, the, the club earned £240,000 out of that one game. So you can imagine how important it was to us. But more important to me was the crowd stayed to the end. I mean, it was 4-0 probably with 10, 15 minutes to go. They stayed to the end and they applauded us off the pitch, which I go back to the same feeling that Liverpool never left you feeling angry. They, you know, I've been there and got beat 7-0. And, and at the end of the game, they're saying to you, yes, yeah, Steve, but three or four of them were, were deflections. We, we had the day of all days. We, we don't normally play like that. You... You actually could have been a goal or two up. This this is about the seven nil I'm talking about. So you you they didn't give you any ammunition to use against them the next time you play them in terms of adding to your motivation. And you want to win any game anyway. So um, I just felt that they were very very clever. So Tom, lots of links uh, all through different stages of my career. The link with. Graham Souness that I mentioned before, uh, being a year younger than me at Tottenham and ends up as being a, a major player at Liverpool. Um, Alex Inglethorpe left us at Exeter to join Spurs, but now he's director of youth at Liverpool Football Club, doing great things with the, the production line that they're not only getting into their first team, but to also selling on players to add to the coffers. So lots of links. And um, apparently at one stage, Liverpool wanted to sign me. Um, the message did get through to me that they wanted to sign me, but uh, it was at the time when we'd been relegated and I've led the team 42 out of 42 games to that relegation. So there was no way I was leaving Tottenham to go anywhere until at least we were back to where we belong, back in the top league. And of course, like anyone, then you're free to go and do what you what you want to do if, if your club wants to sell you. So lots of links, um, Tom, and good question. Thank you very much. Any more? Well, you meant you mentioned that um you, you mentioned you mentioned one of the games that you were in um, in, in charge of against Liverpool. Um I remember you being in the dugout uh, for Spurs for a a rare win at Anfield in the Premier League as well. Wondered if you had any memories of that game. A very tight, tense game. I was really pleased with us that night. Um, Aussie had set the team up right. I think that uh, Teddy Teddy scored two goals. We won two one, uh, having gone a goal down early. So it was, you know, yes, it was a victory. Any victory at Anfield, we all know if it took that long before. Uh, to get one in Aussie's first year as a manager there was was amazing. So, um, uh, yeah, I think Nigel Clough scored their goal early on and uh, Teddy got a penalty and then the second one that won it and Graham Souness was the manager. So, 
it had a little bit extra on it, I suppose, because we always sort of vied against each other in midfield or now in management. Not that I was the manager, I was assistant manager. And uh, I remember him going down the tunnel, sort of looking at us as though to say, well done, but without saying it. And then as he went down the steps to go along and then up the next steps to his dressing room, he said so we could hear it. We've just been beaten by a fucking five-a-side team. <laughs> so, which made me laugh and Aussie laugh louder, actually, when we, when we thought about it. But that was it. That was another great night for us. And... Um, and my, about my third or fourth game in as a 17-year-old was at Anfield. The great Liverpool team of Tommy Lawrence, uh, Lawler, Byrne, fullbacks, Ron Yates, Tommy Smith, um, Gordon Milne, Thompson, Callaghan, Hunt, St. John. Great names. So... Imagine how nervous I am playing with Jimmy Greaves and Gilzine and Mike England and Cyril Knowles and Pat Jennings. You know, we had great players ourselves. Now I'm on this pitch with these superstars of players. And that night we got a nil-nil draw. So I'm very proud of that one. And um, just five minutes to go, we broke away from the halfway line. Jimmy Greaves got in 1v1 against Tommy Lawrence. You'd bet your house or your mortgage on, on Jimmy scoring and he just fainted and just knocked it to the to the right of the goalie and it just brushed the part post, unfortunately the wrong side. So all that uh, all that waiting for that many years could have been over and done with in my first game, but uh, sadly it wasn't to be. And um, but what a what a baptism and and I remember reading somewhere that that uh, Bill Nick said how well I played. He was uh, very appreciative of when I went in very strong with Tommy Smith and thought, well done you, son. But the ball then squirmed away and now it was me and Ron Yates. And so I decided to go for that one as well, maybe more in naivety than anything else. And um, at the end of the game, Bill Nicholson and Bill, the great Bill Shankly spoke about everything. And one of the things that that Bill asked was, Bill Shankly was, where did you get the tiger? So I, maybe when I, when I leave us one day, uh, that can go on my tombstone. That's, that's not a bad uh, quote to say about me. Where do you get the tiger? Especially from someone as, as renowned as Bill Shankly. Go on Tom, anything else? Well, yeah, you've, you've kind of alluded to a couple already, but are there any other um, special characters or, uh, or experiences you can let us know about? Well, the, the character I've named one there was Bill Shankly. Uh, what a man, what a leader, what a driving force of that club. Um, I think a lot of that support and the, the enthusiasm of them and the, 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 the loudness of them comes from, from Bill Shankly's days the singing together. Um, I, think, I think going back to the respect part of Liverpool, I think it's the main place where the crowd and the team are together. They are one. They're all aiming for the same thing, which is a victory. And yeah, if it, it can be done in style, great. But if it can't, as long as it's a victory. 
So, um, of course, Ray Clements is, is a strong link and was a was hell of a character there and um, came to Spurs and, and was an even bigger character with us. Uh, Kevin Keegan um, uh, came, to, came to the front similar timing to me. What industry, what energy. Um, didn't he get the most out of his career, Kevin Keegan? Wow. And uh, there is a story, and I don't know how, how true it is, that he, he goes to Liverpool for, to play for his last club, which I think was Southampton. At the end of the game, they get beaten. At the end of the game, all the team are waiting on the bus. And Kevin Keegan is signing autograph after autograph and more autographs. And they're banging on the window. Kevin, come on. It's a long way home. We've got to go. Come on. So Kevin eventually finishes all the autographs, gets on the bus. Kevin, what are you, what are you doing that for? We, could, we need to get home. He said, listen, they are the greatest supporters in the world, Liverpool people. So if they want my autograph, if they want Kevin Keegan's autograph, I'm going to sign it for them. So that's why I've been a long time. Anyway, no one had anything to say. So he went into his inside pocket to get his money out or whatever to play cards. And he'd been dipped. So, <laughs> so that's why certain people there had, had got him to sign autographs so they could take his wallet. So whether that's true or not, I don't know. But that was, that was a story doing the rounds. So lots of good characters. Bruce Grobelar, for instance, who took over from, from Clem. Um, I always remember this, that um, John Barnes on a radio show got asked about um, players he played with. The biggest talent, the best player he ever played with was Glenn Hoddle. And yet, Glenn Hoddle would not have got in our Liverpool team. And the reason being that they wanted consistency. And, it, and he named some players like Sammy Lee and Ronnie Whelan and Jimmy Case that have got two European Cup winners medals. And Glenn hasn't got one. And in a way they couldn't really lace his boots, but Liverpool Football Club wanted a different style of player to Glenn Hoddle. And that says a lot about the style of the clubs and not that anyone's right or wrong. Um, all the Spurs supporters would have Glenn in their best ever Spurs team, of course, so would I. Uh, but Liverpool just saw the game in a different way and you have to respect that. So lots of characters, but from both teams, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not um, forgetting our input, Tottenham Hotspur into this big game on Wednesday. Of course, it's a, it's a big game. Good luck to our team at Anfield um, to try and build on our fantastic table topping start. Uh, not easy this, not easy, an easy game. Um, I wasn't too disappointed by the draw at the end of the Palace game, albeit after getting the all-important first goal. Um, but I, I'll tell you what I am sure of, our closest opponents won't slip up many times more as they did last weekend, which gave us a bit of breathing space still. I don't think we can go without mentioning Gerard Houllier, um, who sadly passed away today, ex-manager of, of Liverpool. 
he'd had uh, heart problems earlier on in his life and actually had the similar uh, problem to my own, an aorta dissection, uh, which didn't kill him, uh, certainly didn't kill me, but um, maybe had some effect to his the, the rest of his life. So um, thank you, Howard. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for all your backup and your support in this podcast. Good luck to the chaps and come on you Spurs. Can I give you one more quote, Steve? Go on. We talked about Liverpool and with you, I respect them as a club much more than the other big five, etc. But they, but we, I did read a thing which said, there's a picture of you'll never walk alone, the, music, the song sheet of the song. And they've come and crossed out the walk alone and replaced it with never hear the fucking end of it. <laughs> Love it. Well done, Hal. Thanks for that. See Great. you. Too. Come Great. on, Thanks. Uh,